Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Collider Dailies. I'm John Algets. Uh, joining us is, of course, Maggie. Uh, we are going to be talking about a few things here today, but before we get into it, Maggie, let's get the let's get our uh, your your spiel again. <laughs> Sorry about that. It is okay. It is the beauty of doing a live show, but I am so excited to announce that myself and our women of Collider, of course, are flying out to San Francisco next week to moderate a whole slew of exciting panels at Fan Expo in San Francisco, and I would like to share some of the excellent panels that we will be moderating. First up with myself, uh, I will be moderating uh, the panel for James Marsters. Uh, and then on uh, Saturday, I will be moderating the panels for Rose McGowan and Holly Marie Combs. And then one of the panels I'm really excited for, which is the Women in Sci-Fi, which will feature Mary McDonnell, Sonequa Martin-Green, and Michelle Hurd. Uh, and then I will also be moderating the panel for Sean Gunn. And then on Sunday, the one that I am definitely like the most excited about uh, is Ewan McGregor, uh, the one and only I will be moderating the panel for him. And then if you would like to know what Arzu will be doing, uh, she will be moderating a panel for the Star Wars Rebels, which features Taylor Gray, Vanessa Marshall and Ashley Eckstein. And then on Sunday, she has a full slate of panels. She will be moderating for Sean Astin. And then she will be doing another uh, Star Wars panel with uh, Iman Asfandi, who, of course, was just Ezra Bridger and Ahsoka. And then she will be wrapping the day up with Tamora Morrison and Daniel Logan, the Fets. Uh, and you will also be able to catch Arzu and I on the creator stage on Friday doing a live 
daily show, which will hopefully go a little bit better than our live technical difficulty show today. Uh, but that is the beauty of doing live shows. And we are both so excited to be flying out to San Francisco next week. So if you haven't got your tickets yet for uh, Fan Expo and you are in California or able to hustle yourself over there, uh, we would love to see you. So be sure to find us on the floor or at one of these fantastic panels. Yeah, so if you are at Fan Expo, go ahead and check those out. If you're not, stick around. There will be plenty of stuff coming from it, I am sure. And also be sure to tune in to the live show that will be going up. Uh, we'll get you more information about that down the line. Just be sure to pay attention to all of the socials, collider.com, all that stuff. All the info will be up there. So let's get into our first topic for today, which is uh, the Marvel's box office performance and how like underwhelming it kind of was, which... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it did about $110 million domestically in its opening weekend, pulling in $47 million domestic, uh, $110 million internationally, blah, blah, blah. You understand how that all works. So $47 million domestically actually puts it at the bottom of the MCU uh, releases in terms of its opening weekend box office performance. To put that into context, The Incredible Hulk is the next lowest, and it pulled in $55 million domestically, and Ant-Man was the one above that, which pulled in $57 million. So the Marvels is underperforming compared to even the entire rest of the MCU uh, to break even the Marvels needs to pull in, uh, needs to pull in 440 million total just to break even on a $220 million budget because Hollywood math, that's just whenever you're trying to figure out for a Hollywood film to break, even the good rule of thumb is take whatever the budget is and double it. And that is roughly where you need to be for Hollywood to have considered it a profitable film at that point. Um, Maggie, what are your thoughts on this? I know that we were talking a little bit beforehand about how like ridiculous it is that a $47 million opening weekend is considered a bomb. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth there. I think it is just insane that you can have a movie hit almost 50 million uh, domestically and it is considered a bomb. Um, you know, I think it is indicative of the fact that a lot of the superhero films have very overinflated budgets. Um, and I do think Marvel in particular has been very unrealistic about their box offices. Um, you know, after Spider-Man, they kind of seen a dip off in terms of how well their uh, their movies are doing in this, the cinemas. Obviously, this is part of a, a larger downward slope. Obviously, everything is not going to be Barbenheimer. Um, people are not going to the theaters the way they used to. You know, for many people, they still view the, the pandemic as still being very active. They're not wanting to risk it. Um, and I also think it, it's it's a, a sign that they need to scale back their budgets on these films and look to ways to make these films just as fantastic with uh, smarter uh, you know, choices. You know, we were talking before the show about the creator, which was, you know, done on a shoestring budget. Obviously it did okay. It broke even at the box office. It did decent, uh, but that film looks incredible. Uh, and that's really just speaking to the fact that you can make a film for a low budget 
obviously still millions of dollars. Um, low and, is relative. Yeah, low is relevant. Uh, but you still have something that looks better than 95% of the things that are in Marvel. Uh, and that's no knock to the VFX people. Obviously, they are doing the best that they can on their budgets, their timescales, and all of these things. So I They're think, also stretched incredibly thin. So thin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think that that just kind of speaks to the fact that Marvel still really needs to take a step back and figure out where they're going with their films and what they need to prioritize. Because I think quality over quantity and also just like budgeting needs to be factored into you know their future and i think it seems like that's something that they are definitely looking into their the release schedule is a little less ambitious than it was when it was initially allowed uh, you know announced at hall h uh and hopefully that means you know budget's going to be less i know we talked a little bit about blade having a significantly lower budget than one might expect and maybe that means they're going to look more into like practical effects and like smarter ways to do things um so that you do have huge wins when your movie does, you know, make back all of that money. Yeah, it's and something is definitely up as far as like the box office this year in general has been pretty low across the board. Mm -hmm. Most of the films that you would have expected to have been major performers just weren't. I mean, Mission Impossible, like, yeah. It was also another one that way underperformed what people were expecting. So it's definitely, there's definitely something to be said about just right now, like moviegoers aren't going out to theaters like they used to, at least when they are, they're not seeing the things that you would expect them to see. They're going out and they're seeing, you know, Barbie, they're seeing Oppenheimer, they're seeing Five Nights at Freddy's. They aren't seeing, you know, the latest Marvel movie. They aren't seeing the latest big budget blockbuster and, you know, you pointed out there's still some people who are, you know, worried about going out because of COVID and everything that is still very much real. Um, that's definitely affecting it. Also, on top of that, there's just a lot of burnout mm -hmm. for especially superhero films. Uh, a lot of people, you know, who I talk to are saying like, hey, they're they're kind of done with it at this point. They're kind of over it. Or if they are going to watch it, they're waiting for it to come home. They're just like, it's not worth it for me to go out to the movie theater, spend 50, 60 bucks on, you know, food and gas and everything to get there. It's just not, it's not worth it for some people. And I, I understand that. Uh, but, you know, for a movie like this to have such a massive budget and then, you know, to have underperformed like this is, is really a bummer and is really telling, uh, you know, maybe oh, Disney, maybe Disney needs to rethink, their strategy i mean i feel like they definitely do and i feel like they know that they do um but you know i don't know i'm i'm personally i'm still on board with the mcu i'm also a massive comic fan massive superhero fan i've been a part of this for so long i've been in you know i've been into it for so long that i'm like okay i'm here to see it i'm very excited about the prospect of getting a secret wars adaptation uh they just need to they need to rethink how they're approaching it yeah and i do want to say i i want and hope that marvel and disney learn the right thing from this which is to have lower budgets and not to nix having you know female-led female-directed projects because that's not the issue it's it's more of a strategy uh and the fact that i personally don't think that the marketing strategy for this was uh, well done. I think they could have easily turned this into an event thing, even though like obviously the strike ended just in time for the cast to start doing interviews and stuff. But I think there was a smart strategy that they could have done without the cast uh, that they just kind of failed to do. 
Um, and I think that, you know, you need to turn these things into event things. I was hoping that, you know, the Barbenheimer thing would have taught people that people want experiences. They want that the vibe uh, when they go to, you know, theater. It's not just about sitting down and being entertained. It's about the, the communal experience of seeing a movie together. And it seems like they they neglected that aspect of it going into this movie. Uh, so I, I really hope, you know, if, if Marvel's listening to us, uh, don't learn the wrong lessons from this. Learn the right lessons, which is just being more realistic with your budgets and finding ways to engage with your audience and get them into the theater. There are definitely people who are trying to make the argument that it's mm -hmm. because it's a female-led uh, film and it's a film that was directed by a female director. Uh, to those people, I will say, don't watch this show because, <laughs> no, you're wrong. Um, it, it is 100% a bunch of factors that are coming together, and that is not one of them. Uh, so, yeah, it's not, it's not looking great for the Marvels. I will say I saw the movie. I had fun with it. Was it groundbreaking? No. Was it like the best movie ever? No, but it was fun. And sometimes when you go to go see a movie, that's all that really should matter. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a great time with it. The end credit scene, which, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show and we were both kind of like, you know, eh, was this film just to have that end credit scene? There's a debate to be had there, but not what we're here for. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, so let's move on to our next topic today, which is that Coyote versus Acme is not dead. If you did not know what is what I'm talking about here, the basic I the basic sort of story here was that there was a Looney Tunes film called Coyote versus Acme that was fully done, fully done with production, and Warner Brothers pulled a Batgirl on it and canned it uh, for a tax write-off. That's really what it came down to, a $30 million tax write-off because they can claim full losses on this film. Uh, and we thought that was going to be kind of the end of the show, but a lot of people got up in arms about this, as they should, because that's kind of not great. Uh, and now it looks like Warner Brothers has decided that they are going to shop it around to other distributors. Uh, we are getting a report that they are setting up screenings for folks from Amazon Prime, Apple, and Netflix with hopes of having them acquire the movie uh, for streaming rights. Yeah. So, you know, some some business back dealings. Uh, this film was finished filming in 2022, so it's been it's been you know, ready to go, or at least close to being ready to go for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, it screened at festivals. Audiences loved it. It was really well received. That's what I think is like the most confusing part of this whole thing. Like obviously the Batgirl situation is a whole conversation in its own. Um, but that did ha seem to have like mixed reactions from like test screenings and stuff. But this one had such strong reactions and it was such, you know, for a studio that's celebrating, you know, a hundred years, this was everything that kind of falls into what Warner Brothers has always been about. This the mix of animation meets live action is like 
as old as time for them, basically. So it's so shocking that they killed it. And, you know, part of those reports, you know, included the fact that apparently a lot of um, filmmakers pulled out of meetings with Warner Brothers in response to them killing this project. So I don't know if this will change anything. I don't know if people pulled out of meetings around Batgirl, too, but it definitely seems like Warner Brothers finally, you know, faced some consequences of their actions. Uh, and I definitely think in terms of all the the studios, they have looked the worst here recently um, with all of their tax write-offs. So maybe yeah. this will be like a sign of change, but I hate that there's a precedent that's been set that you can take a fully completed, fully done project, kill it, and it will never see the light of day. Like that just is so anti-art. It is like unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that it's worth noting, like we talk about this movie and we talk about Batgirl. There was another movie that they did this to. There yeah. was, there was a uh, Scoob holiday haunt, a, a sequel to Scoob, which I liked. I liked the first yeah. Scoob. I, had I liked Scoob too. It. Uh, nobody said anything about that Scoob movie. It didn't make headlines. It didn't do anything. It just kind of like really flew under the radar. I feel like now that they tried it a third time, a bunch of people are looking back and going, wait, there was also a Scooby-Doo movie that we didn't get. What yeah. the heck? Uh, it's, it's becoming a, a worrying trend with Warner brothers. So hearing that they are, open to shopping it around to other people is nice. It means that some people are going to be able to watch this film that a lot of people worked hard on. And a lot of people probably poured a lot of their passion into. And, you know, before it was, no one was going to get to see it. Now people might actually be able to see it. So I feel like there's, there's a pun in there to be had about the fact that John Cena was in it and we almost didn't see it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah that's another thing is the movie had like, you know star power behind it, it star power yeah. like Batgirl. you know it had recognizable faces but i wouldn't say that, that any of them were like you know i mean i feel like big killing, box office sellers but killing batgirl in the midst of brendan fraser's return, like, return yeah, was his renaissance bizarre that was i feel like that was just a case of them not rec not like seeing the they brendan fraser read, they never read the room <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's definitely uh definitely great to be hearing it coming back uh jeremy miller says to be fair nothing could touch the 2002 scooby-doo movie uh you're not wrong but if you haven't seen scoob the animated movie that came out a couple of years ago it's a lot of fun it's a great family movie if you got kids by all means uh go watch it i i i had so much fun with it. It, it hit, it hit my heart uh, really strongly. Cause I, I grew up as a Scooby-Doo kid. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, moving on to our, our third topic for today. Speaking of childhood uh, properties, Garfield, we got a, we got a teaser trailer for Garfield, uh, which I'll be honest. I didn't know that we were getting this. I did. Unfortunately, because of the voice of Garfield, I remembered this well. So, yeah, I just was watching stuff on YouTube and I found, oh, it's oh, it a Garfield trailer. Let's watch that. Uh, it's it's Chris Pratt. Chris yeah. Pratt is voicing Garfield. Um, I'm going to throw this out there. A lot of people, a lot of people when this trailer came out, they were memeing on it being like, oh, it's Chris Pratt voicing, voicing another character like this. And they were like comparing it to Mario. Chris Pratt voicing Garfield, I think, is a better fit than Chris Pratt voicing Mario. 
I unfortunately agree. I do think he does uh, decently well here because he's really good at that monotone humor thing that Garfield's already like known for. So it's not the worst thing in the world. I will say I didn't hate the trailer. The trailer no, actually kind of like it, I looked at it. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be a fun kids movie. And uh, now and note though, when I say something is going to be like a kids movie for a lot of people, that's like, they're like, oh, it's good for a kids movie, like whatever. It's a kids movie, so like we can kind of accept it to be lower quality. I'm not one of those people. So when I just point out that it's a good kids movie, I'm literally just saying it'll be a good movie for kids. That's mm-hmm. not. That, I'm not speaking to the quality of the film when I do that. Um, but it it looks like it's fun. The rest of the cast, uh, there's some talent there. You got Samuel L. Jackson is playing Garfield's dad. Uh, Nicholas Holt is in it, but I didn't actually pick up who he's playing. Um, but he is going to be in it. Oh, Always, always great to see uh, people like that going into a movie like this. Samuel L. Jackson being Garfield's dad is an interesting choice. I don't. Hmm. It's one of those things where I'm like, how much of the of the Sam Jackson isms are going to come through in that performance? Obviously, he's not going to be dropping f bombs, but like Sam Jackson has a has a has a style and a a vibe to him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit a bit interesting. Uh, his best voice work is Emmett in the Lego Movie, but Mario could have been somebody else. That's Jeremy Miller in chat saying that about Chris Pratt. Yeah, uh, honestly, I actually sometimes forget that that he was Emmett in the Lego Movie because, like, to me, it's just such a bespoke character that I forget that it was Chris Pratt. Yeah, and also it was kind of in the midst of the Chris Pratt ray, like <laughs> eyes to stardom. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so Garfield, it it looks pretty good. Definitely something that you should check out and form your own opinion on it. But just know that there's more there's more Chris Pratt voiceover work in the future. <laughs> Maggie's in there just rolling her eyes. <laughs> All right, we know how Maggie feels about this. <laughs> I'm just anyway. saying, I think there's a lot of really talented voice actors that should still be taking voice actor roles and that every star should not decide they can also do voice acting. Okay, hold up a second here. <laughs> so our own producer is having a discussion with Jeremy Miller about Garfield <laughs> in the chat. And he's saying there's also literal decades of comics dedicated to Lazy Cat. Lots of lore to discover. Is there Garfield lore? There's so much Garfield lore. There's lore about why he hates Mondays, too. There's so I much just, Garfield lore. Do you mean you, should... you didn't read the funny pages every weekend? Gosh. Yeah, but I didn't pick up that there was like deep storylines that like I need to be like reading into and I need to go back and read comics from like 20 years ago to get all the nuances of a cat who likes lasagna. <laughs> oh, I mean, everything these days has deep lore. So like I shouldn't. Here's your next Collider show idea. The lore of Garfield. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we should look into like a show that just like explores different, different lore. Yeah. Like for different, different things. I think there's, I think there's an idea in there. Mondays do suck though, Jeremy. You're not, you're not wrong. Uh, There's there's the podcast name. (laughs) (laughs) 
anyways that's all that we have for us today a uh, couple a couple of small things first and foremost i have to give my uh my shout out for no shave november that i do every every episode this month uh i am partaking in no shave november to raise awareness for prostate cancer research um so go ahead and donate to the american cancer society uh i'm going to drop a link in the chat for that so that you can donate to kind of help fight uh help fight prostate cancer because who likes cancer nobody so you should absolutely go i'm pulling this up right here so go to cancer.org that is the american cancer society go over there donate if you can if you can't that's fine too um go over there and uh yeah Let's let's get rid of cancer across the board, especially prostate cancer. Uh, but anyways, we will see you tomorrow. Who is? It is you and Perry, it, I believe. It, it's Perry and I tomorrow. That's right. You would think that at a certain point I would remember the schedule, but uh, days are blurring together. It's all just one giant fog. Yeah, so tomorrow will be Perry and myself. We will be talking about all sorts of movie news goodness. So... Be sure to tune in for that. Hopefully we won't have as many technical difficulties as we did today. But if we do, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, yeah. And I yes. hope that the I hope that everyone has a great rest of your day. And I'll see you tomorrow. And check out what's on the uh, Fan Expo schedule. Yes. Do that. Right now. Yes. <laughs>